0: Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I am Russell
2: Tovey. And I'm Robert Diamant. And this is TalkArt. Welcome to Talk Art. How are you today, Rob? Today, Russell, I am feeling circular. Right. Which isn't really a feeling, <laughs> is it? <laughs> no. But guess what? I've been thinking a lot about circles and the way that when you have shared interests in life you tend to sort of bump back into people over and over and over again because whether you love music like I did growing up, whether you love fashion or whether you love art, it's the kind of thing that can bring you together as a kind of subculture. And within London, I've often had people that I've met kind of um, throughout my life. And one of those people we are meeting today. And we have crossed paths so many times. They have been making documentaries and working even with a friend of mine Raymond Berthold who was a previous talk art guest as well that was how we first met and we kept bumping into each other and then recently I was walking along the beach and bumped into them there too because they've been spending a lot of time in Margate which I hear other journalists have also been commenting on because all the best people are in Margate right now whoop, whoop. and right now we are in North Greenwich I got the train here all the way from Margate very easy actually um, just took about an hour and a half and we are very close to the O2 which obviously everyone wants know how to get here, you might have seen concerts here. But recently there's been loads of art projects happening here. And I was just at Joy Yamasangi's exhibition at Now Gallery round the corner. But this week a brand new space opens, finally, and it's the coming together of so many years of preparation and planning and different creative minds coming together but it's all been run by our guest on this week's episode and it's called queer circle and this is a new space for queer art for queer thinking um, and also for looking back at queer history and how we've got to where we are today so we would like to welcome to talk art ashley
1: joiner Hi, thank Ashley. you for that intro just like a trip
0: down memory lane there.
2: i know but it's true though isn't it i feel like we've bumped into each other so many times through our lives like since you were like in your 20s and i was probably in my 20s so what
0: it was musical fashion you met on
2: I think both, maybe. And
1: I was also friends with um, the lighting designer that um, lit one of your music videos.
2: That's right. That's what I mean, though. (laughs) And I think at one point you were dating a musician that I knew and, like, we've had kind of, like, loads of different reasons that we met. But one of the most lasting was Raymond and um, Raymond Berthold and our friendship with him.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I basically graduated art school and then was like, I want to be a fashion designer and I want to be an artist and I want to be a musician. And um, one of those things was um, collaborating with Raymond.
2: Yeah, and you, you made textile designs for him. Yeah,
1: me. We, I designed two seasons worth of um, prints. Yeah, That's
2: right. And I actually wore those clothes. Do you remember I used to have those pretty pink shorts that were mm, like those mental... I love those. It was his, it was his design. Oh, way.
1: I actually tried to... Um, I had a pair of those and I'd never worn
0: them. And I tried to put them on the other day and I do not fit.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh my
0: gosh. So you like wanted idea. to work in, obviously, the creative field, but we have come to a space in the design district in North Greenwich that you are now the director of. So I take it you're still creative outside of this, but this has taken over your life, right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, in all the best possible ways. Um, Yeah, I think um, I graduated from art school and then really just rejected the art world. Like I really just wanted nothing to do with it, to be honest. Why? I think I just found it like um, all, weirdly, like all too consuming... Um, I didn't like the kind of clickiness of it. Um I just didn't want to participate in it, to be honest.
0: And um Did you but did you, just gonna kind of pry you on this yeah, thing. Did on. you pick this up while you were studying or was this after you graduated that you realized It was a bit of both. Right. Like
1: even the conversations I was having at university, I went to the CSM, like it just Central it St. Just, Martins.
0: Yeah, it just wasn't my it just wasn't my bag, to be honest. Wow. So did you re- regret training when you graduate because it must have cost a lot of money and time and everything
1: no I didn't regret it I think um, for me I always say that art school is never really about teaching you a particular skill it's really just about teaching you a way of thinking mm. like it teaches you new like to think in new maybe more adventurous ways um, so I feel like that's been a skill that I've kind of used throughout um, and I definitely think it's playing a role now yeah,
2: I think sometimes just studying and like having to hand things in and actually like, you know, deliver things mm. is just as important as whether it actually ends De- up being the deadline. Co- yeah, it's true, though. It's yeah. like having that discipline, the kind of training that you learn on those courses could be really helpful. And I remember a few years ago being at a party and you were telling me right at the beginning of when you were going to make your documentary. And you came up with this idea of like traveling around the world to different kind of gay um sort of nightclub venues and um social hangouts and and documenting it can you talk a bit about that project because i feel like that making that documentary really led to where we are right now standing in this building
1: yeah definitely um i feel like um i'm entering back into you quote unquote the art world on my own terms and it's very much because of that film project um I'd never really been involved in kind of LGBT politics as such. Um, like I actively rejected pride and... Can I just, ask
0: you again, why did you actively yeah, reject pride? I just didn't There's a lot of rejections going know, on. Like, no, no, no. And this is... Um,
1: yeah, I think a lot of it is to do with feeling like I didn't actually belong anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't feel like I belonged at CSM as like a working class kid from Essex. Like it just surrounded by lots of well-read students that I that just wasn't my approach to art and then again within the LGBT community like I felt like I came to London and, and came out and was like finally I'm gonna like find my people and instead just you know I was surrounded by people but not necessarily a community that really like had my back so there was a lot of like not feeling like I belonged anywhere um And I was dating a singer that you probably do know. And um, his mum is also gay. And she asked whether we were going to Pride. And I was like, no, not, like, (laughs) definitely not. And um, she rightly was like, you don't know your history. Like, really just schooled me on it. So I decided to go and do some research, really just to appease my then boyfriend's mum and just get some brownie points. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And um, I realized just how little I knew. And what really got my back up was Section 28. Because, um, you know, it's weird talking about th- these things retrospectively because we talk about these things far more widely now than we did like eight years ago when I started that project. Um, but it really... Um, I was really annoyed that I'd been oppressed as a child. And actually none of us knew really knew about it. None of us were really talking about it. No. Nope. <laughs> Um, and we had so no that's... idea
0: it was happening really yeah yep. exactly
1: and um you know there was you know i had a really hard time at school i <laughs> don't really talk about that that much um i had a really hard time at school and um there were definitely looking back gay teachers that um you can tell now really wanted to say something yeah. but just couldn't and that just made my life you know hell
0: really to yeah. not have that support how so... old are you now 33 yeah so i'm 40 so i'm from essex as well and, mm. and obviously we're the, you're 41 uh and
2: not from essex
0: <laughs> not very not from essex <laughs> but section 28 is in our blood you know as our generation your generation below a few years younger that is that is part of our coming out process that's part of realizing who we are and for people who don't know what section 28 was it was uh, a conservative legislation that came in that meant that they couldn't promote homosexuality you couldn't consider other options apart from the heteronormative lifestyle uh and that was promote the pretend family dynamic or something wasn't it pretend pretend family values or something like that basically if you were a gay if you were a queer kid and you went to your teacher and said i'm feeling like i might be gay lesbian bisexual trans you were told otherwise you were told you were persuaded that you know, as Margaret Thatcher says, you had the inalienable right to be gay. No, you were told otherwise. And it, as a kind of community, we've inherited that trauma. We've got that trauma in our blood. And um thank God it's gone. But, yes, it can.
1: Yeah, it is scar. gone.
0: Scar. And I think we've drifted from your original
1: question. No, no, but no, section no, 20, like, you know, it's... um it has gone but there is obviously like a legacy to it you know so many of us growing up feeling like we didn't belong and that our sexuality or gender identity was wrong yeah you know so many of us have um you know suffer with mental health mm-hmm. now as a as a result of that and also there's a global legacy to section 28 right you look at other countries that now are imposing uh, legislation very similar to section 28 um, like in the
2: states right now yeah in the
1: states the you know it was in only Florida, like, a, yeah, don't say gay. In a couple of years ago, like an Egyptian TV host um, had a gay guest on, and the host was arrested because he was promoting homosexuality. Yeah. That's what it was all about promoting homosexuality. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's a, there's a life, you know, there's a legacy to that, um, even though it has been, you know,
0: repealed now so that that deep dive into gay history yeah. and the traumas that we've all been through and you know people who've gone before us and the shoulders we stand on that then led you to create a documentary yeah. that has actually been incredibly widely celebrated it's had amazing reviews and it's now part of the collection of the british film institute which is huge like you can go on to the website and you can hire that and you can watch that mm-hmm. that's also wonderful uh, are are you, proud? you
2: Proud? Are You Proud?
0: Yes, and that was out in 2019. And it's, uh, I mean, not, I'm sure you could talk about yourself, but it <laughs> is is—it is like rare archive footage, and then uh, there's contemporary testimonies, and it's just building up, you know, a narrative for... The queer experience. in in, And it's British, isn't it? It's UK-based.
1: Yeah, so, like, when we look at LGBTQ plus history, it's often told through an American lens, and there wasn't really any documentation of British history. And if it was, it was typically told by cis white uh, men. Um, You know, all of the... Heterosexual. The greats. You know, like your typical like Elton John's. Oh, I see, sorry, right, yeah. All amazing, but it was always told through that
0: lens, right? I was thinking of EastEnders, like (laughs) you've got straight actors playing the gay roles that are like, yeah. Um,
1: And um, so I wanted to do something about that. And um, there were two versions of the film. So I made one version, which was very much like an angry activist, which was really about the corporation, like uh, corporatization of pride in London. And then um, we screened that at BFI as a kind of work in progress, got the community's feedback and then we you know i had the opportunity to develop that and deliver the film that i kind of wanted to because the first version was essentially made in my bedroom with no money and um and yeah it tells the story of like tells some of the history It's by no means a definitive history because that's impossible but it really um I guess when I started getting politically involved, I was kind of like overwhelmed by all the kind of like socialist jargon and like all of the terminology and all of those things. And so I wanted to create something that if someone was coming to this new, they had this kind of like bite-sized information about these different mm. parts of our history and also a kind of commentary on what's happening now, a really kind of call to arms to kind of push forward. Um, and so hopefully that's what You Proud does. And I'm very proud of what we did with Are You Proud. Like we had no, very little money um, and it went on to do well. We had like we screened all over the uk it 's been distributed around the world. We did screenings and q and a s after most of the screening so that we could engage with a community all over the u k. Mm-hmm. We developed it into learning resources for... Um, yeah, key elder- stage three, four, yeah. Yeah. schools. Yeah. I heard
2: that, and it's available to schools, <clears throat> isn't it? Yeah, yeah so schools all...
1: Are, yeah, it's used as a resource all over the UK for... Um, Just part of schools. the curriculum,
0: then? Yeah. But is it, that's a kind of a... Again, we're in a circle, the queer circle, but that's a circular thing from your experience, our experience of education, of not having that information. And suddenly the information that you created because you were spurred by the fact that you hadn't had the information is there on the curriculum now for future generations. Yeah, exactly. I think (laughs) that's what always drives me, is like creating things I
1: wish had existed Mm
0: -hmm. when I was Ah, a kid.
1: Like, I think Queer Circle is very much a space that I wish had existed when I came to London. If, you know, if it had, maybe I wouldn't have gone on the kind of dark road that I did temporarily. Mm. Um, But at the same time, if I hadn't gone on that dark ride, maybe I wouldn't have ended up here. Mm. So you never know. But yeah, I think that is what's always driving me.
2: And did you travel a lot then as well? Because I I sort of remember you traveling and sort of meeting different queer communities in different countries and things like that.
1: Mm. Um, Yeah, I did travel quite a bit. Um, Not necessarily for Are You Proud? But I have connected with... um, I tried to do a global version of Are You Proud. that's
2: right. I remember (laughs) that.
1: (laughs) Had grand ambitions for a first-time filmmaker. Um, and again, that was about like, you know, what can these huge prides like Pride in London or Mardi Gras learn from like grassroots prides that are happening, you know, in countries that, you know, can only have grassroots prides. And it's
0: really, really political and it's dangerous.
1: Yeah. And there's a lot for each to learn from one another. Mm. Um,
2: I mean, talking about Margot again, I actually find the pride there so much more welcoming and inclusive than the one in London, only because it's a smaller group of people and it feels like it really matters or something.
1: Yeah, and it's on the high street, right? And yeah. it's disrupting people's yeah, normal exactly. everyday lives, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. we went on in the film we you see us go to peckham pride and peckham pride was amazing because it brought the lgbtq plus agenda but also migrant rights as well and you just walk down peckham high street and you just just disrupt people on their day-to-day like going into greg's Mm -hmm. and getting their sausage roll you know and then all of a sudden they're kind of confronted
0: with that Mm. and that's the kind of thing that pride is really good for Mm. um so this space uh, feels like it's come out of nowhere, but it has been built on a momentum that you've been working with for many years. In 2016, you set up a five-day event celebration with a load of queer artists, and did like a pop-up exhibitions, and the reaction to that was incredible, and that's what sort of was the nugget for this oak tree acorn for this oak tree nugget i like that nugget
1: <laughs> um yeah i when, when while i was making um are you proud i interviewed andrew lumsden from the gay liberation front and um, for those who don't know the gay liberation front were the first group to publicly demonstrate in the uk and um for lgbtq plus rights and um he just said like we didn't know what we were doing we just tried stuff out and so, kind of with that energy, I was like, "Well, what am I missing? What do I?" And I kind of was missing my art background, you know. Mm. And I was needing a new way to like meet people, um, because you know I've had periods where I've been like misusing alcohol and other substances and things like that. So I needed a new way to meet people. So I just decided to bring those two things together, and we threw this kind of like DIY five-day event in a place called Lion Wharf, which. It was like this community space, but essentially a shared. And like artists brought work to hang up. And uh, if if people wanted to do a tour, we did a tour. If they wanted to do a screening, we did a screening. And it was like very much like by us, for us. And it really felt like that. And it just seemed to resonate with people. Um, So even though we knew it should be something, we didn't quite know what that something was. So I took a step back. And kind of just consulted with people for a couple of years, held these kind of like really intimate little workshops with artists, curators, community organizers, like people that had never met before, and just like shared our experiences, very much in the vein of GLF, who used to have these think-ins and like just talk about their experiences as gay men publicly for the first time. Like, um, so it was very much like that. And um this, I guess, is a response to those. Um, conversations, yeah.
0: It's about finding a permanent queer space. I think, you know, people visit around the world. If you go to Sydney, there's... There's a couple of spaces there. I always visit uh, the Gay and Lesbian Center in New York whenever I yes, go back because there's a, there's a Keith Herring bathroom there and there's a Martin Wong brick penis in the staircase I've just discovered, which I didn't even know was there. <laughs> so, and then also in San Francisco, obviously, there are spaces. So, internationally, there are queer safe spaces. There's the Leslie Lohman Gay and Lesbian Museum that's in uh, the lower side, lower west side. Lower, where is it? In Soho, in, in New York. So, there's all these spaces in America and there's other spaces in Australia, but we haven't got one in the UK have we or or in London especially so it feels very important that we now have a kind of permanent space here
1: yeah and that permanent space like really allows things to happen that wouldn't um, happen otherwise like I was in New York for um, the 50th anniversary of Stonewall and I went to the Leslie Loman and I ended up just sat there with this kind of 70-year-old lesbian on a bench who was just observing the work and kind of just take and she knew most of the people that was in the work and I just sat there speaking with her for like an hour and a half just about you know her friends and her experiences and all of those things and so permanent spaces that are open to the public and are free allow for those allow for those moments to happen um and I hope that's what we're going to kind of encourage here
0: yeah. absolutely
2: and one of the things you want to focus on as well isn't just because obviously there's an art exhibition on which we're stood right in front of now <laughs> yeah. which we'll we'll get into yeah, in a second yeah. but um you also want to take into consideration, sorry take into consideration mental health yeah. and kind of a, a holistic attitude a, a way to try and like almost to have healing or something and kind of yeah, group therapy or something
1: yeah and I think you know we ha- had already kind of had these plans um before the pandemic and the pandemic just kind of like Emphasize the need um, for these types of programs, and really just to reimagine what cultural spaces like this, like what role they play in society now. So yeah, we've developed a health and well-being program, an education program, like workplace skills and training program. So we're really taking a holistic pro- like approach to how we're um, hoping to support the community, mm-hmm. because all of these things do feed into one another, right?
2: no definitely I mean I think as a gay teenager art and music were the things that sort of kept me alive and um, you know you have these dark times where you feel like the whole world is against you or the whole of your school is against you or all those kind of feelings and somehow music um, weirdly there was a song even like by Garbage called Queerist of the Queer and I recently met Shirley Manson for the first time and what I said to her was your song like literally saved my life I remember like being on the on the school bus listening to that song and thinking god there's someone else there out there you know even though she was a straight woman she was singing this idea of queerest of the queer and i think having allies like that even in my teen teen years um kind of out there within culture sort of helps you to keep holding on somehow so i think the idea of bringing in arts and creativity and it's just like a no-brainer isn't it it's like it's so important and um for your first show which we're stood in front of right now it's actually a, a recent talk art guest um michaela yearwood dan michaela and yeah. this is an extraordinary um site-specific it's a wall painting mural but it's kind of huge isn't it
1: yeah like so um our program each year will be um each of the exhibitions will respond to a particular kind of theme so our first year's theme is ecology and so each of the exhibitions will respond to that and um, how that, did you come up with that theme? <laughs> Well, you know like we've seen like over the last couple of years like major institutions really try and like engage with queer artists and queer art and there have been some like really great attempts at doing that but i just find that and this is true of any marginalized community that often marginalized artists only get to show if they are talking about their marginalized identity experience yeah yeah yeah. so for us it was like okay well we're a queer-led organization so our queerness our sexual orientation our gender identity that's a given right so now we can talk about other things Mm. and if artists want to talk about their marginalized like identity they can they can choose to do that but it's not a prerequisite for being you know chosen Mm -hmm. um so we chose ecology obviously it's one of the most pressing themes um topics at the moment there's an urgency to it and i think it was just really important that we raised and elevated queer voices within that discussion um so that's what we're doing and Michaela is the perfect you know artist to do that
2: and I heard that you chose every year you're going to have a different kind of theme that is the kind of overarching theme for the year's program but um you chose ecology as well because it has a relationship the etymology of the word to the sense of home and kind of like to to a creative space that's you know communal or something yeah
1: yeah I mean I was you know that I found that later but it was just perfect Yeah. yeah like so the um the Greek um, ecology comes from the Greek word oikos, which means dwelling spot, uh, dwelling place. And so in creating a new space for the community to come and be, like, it just seemed to really resonate. And that's exactly what Michaela has done with this piece. So we've created a wraparound mural. The title of the show is Let Me Hold You. And the piece really does do that. So you can come, sit inside the painting, sit in the mural, be surrounded by the ceramics and the planted pieces. Um, And just be held by it. And I hope that's like, it really just sets the tone for what we want to be doing moving forward. Mm -hmm. And also we've talked so much about like the oppression of the outside world, right? Like (laughs) it's still continuing, like there's cuts and legislation that are actively working against us as a community. Mm -hmm. And we will get to all of that and we will like fight against all of those things. But we really wanted to first and foremost do, you know, create a space of love so that when we move forward, we're doing so with this kind of love ethic. Um, and so Michaela's work.
2: Um, and almost like creating that bond between each person that comes here. Yeah. And then that creates a stronger community anyway, because you actually are all connected in a deeper way.
0: mm mm-hmm. This is amazing. Uh, there's a there's some text that reads, I believe that there's a big future out there with a lot of beautiful things. And I think one of the beautiful things is what we're actually looking at in this main room. So there are three rooms in Queer Circle. Um, this is the exhibition room. And then we should go into the next room, which is uh, a library.
1: Yeah, it's a reading room. Yeah. Okay.
2: And actually, um, there's even some... Um uh, ceramics on the wall which um, are like vessels that hold um, different plants so there's this kind of like growth um, and we actually spoke to Michaela about that on the recent episode of Talk Art so if you check back in the archive you can find Michaela Yearwood Dan's episode yeah. and she also talked about the furniture With there's some of here as well she does these amazing like hand-painted yeah. furniture
0: it's the t- we had a little sing to uh, the title <laughs> let me hold you go <laughs> caress my body awesome. Is <laughs> you got me going crazy <laughs> turn <Yes>. me <laughs> turn <out, tell> me <laughs> Uh, that's it so it's amazing and this is so you're having three artists a year that take over this space
1: yeah so we've got three seasons per year and each season uh will be why do you call it a season i'm not sure
2: it's like an exhibition program section of the year or something yeah we kind of do it in margate we have like four or four kind of seasons a year like I don't know. Well, four makes sense. Like a programming
1: thing. Yeah, so we have three seasons. Okay. And each has an exhibition commission, an archive, exhibition, and a participatory residency. And they're all three months long each. And then for a month in between each season, we actually hand over this space to another LGBT organization. So, So what does it look like if We Exist, which is a trans led grassroots organization, has a physical space to put on a show? Um, So, at the end of Michaela's show, Um, the Queer Youth Art Network, which is, you know, for young people, Mm -hmm. they will curate the show that comes in for that month. Oh, that's
2: so cool. And it's
1: all about, like, it's kind of like an incubator, right? So we're, like, developing and supporting new
0: initiatives for the community so that they can go out and deliver those... in the future why why in the design district for this space and how long did it take for you to find somewhere
2: yeah why not Greenwich yeah
1: because <laughs> it's an interesting location it took so long um yeah I was like kind of passed from council to council for like two years and everyone was like very well meaning um, but no one really committed and then um the design district came up and it was just the perfect choice really we had like quite a lot of criteria like it had to be completely accessible um, you know, all of our space is completely accessible, so is North Greenwich Station. Uh, we didn't want to contribute to like the displacement of people from their homes. So, like, you know, if you're part of a new development, often you know people have lost their homes for that to be built, and we just didn't want to be a part of that narrative. Um, and we wanted a lot of natural light, so you know, the whole of our front facade does have like windows and glass doors. Um, there is a nice window over there, but Michaela decided to block it in, <laughs> in the first <laughs> exhibition. Um yeah, so there was all of those things that we're considering. And then being part of the design district means we get to actually test out loads of things. So, like, there's a dance studio on site, there's a pottery studio. So we get to make use of all of these facilities by partnering with other organisations and test things out, see what works, see what doesn't work.
2: It's also yeah. so easy to get to. It's so the close. The line is, like, unbelievably good.
1: Yeah. And then just, like, looping back to what you said before, like, you know, when we started Queer Circle, there weren't any other... Queer spaces like this, you know, and thankfully in the last year, like the LGBTQ+ center has popped up. That's Queer in Boxall, br- isn't it? It's in uh, Southwark. Okay. And then uh, Queer Britain has just opened in King's Cross, mm-hmm. and so it's just important that like we work together, and um, oh, so there's no rivalry. Yeah, no, 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 not no at all. Rivalry, like no. it's just really important that we work together to, for each other's survival, right? Yeah. That's just like, um, and so a part of that is making sure that we work across the city. So that you know we're connected we can connect with like local Greenwich communities or um, Lewisham, all of that, and then mm. there's there's somewhere for people in local Southwark and you know somewhere for people in North London. and so it's just really like diversifying like the landscape of London.
2: Um. and actually queer circle has kind of existed before this physical space and you've been doing a lot of off-site projects but also digital ones yeah. um where different artists meet and come together and share their thinking um and i know a lot of that is available at your website isn't it um i saw some did recently can you talk a bit about a few of the off-site projects from last year because they looked amazing
1: yeah we um during the pandemic decided to launch like a digital program and um, we started with an artist in conversation series so really it was just an opportunity for artists to talk with their friends basically and you know just have these really informal conversations about their practice and what they're thinking Um, and also there's no like visual signifier for lgbtq plus people right so unless an artist publicly says in their work or their bio that they are lgbtq plus how are we how would we know so it's really an opportunity to organically grow the network of artists too um and it's been really fruitful and so we've developed that now for um this year and it's funded by art fund Mm. so our physical program will be like uk-based artists, and then our digital program is an opportunity for us to engage with lgbtq plus artists outside of the uk Mm. and all of those conversations moving forward will be around the kind of Annual theme of ecology.
2: It's a really valuable archive as well to have because I think, like you say, if you're living in a tiny town somewhere and you don't really feel connected, you can just go on your website yeah. and find all the. Yeah, it's a great website. It's really and cool. and we
0: just got to say this: so queer circle is a non-profit charity, and you raised money through fundraising, and it's with donors and supporters that you're able to keep this space open. So it's really important that people listen, and they come here, and they can donate. They can donate a like minimal amount, or they can donate a higher figure just to kind of support the building, and that would be really important. I, I heard important. you raised
2: about forty thousand pounds for a <laughs> yeah, fund, which is so great.
1: Yeah, like, and it was beautiful because we had donations that were literally like two pounds, five pounds. And then we had donations that were, you know, considerably more. And it was just, it was just clear that people just wanted to like contribute in any way Uh. that they could. And, um, yeah, we wouldn't be here without the community, really.
2: I also think, you know, I came back to London after the pandemic for the first time. I don't know, maybe a year ago or something. And I remember walking around and thinking that so many of the queer spaces that I'd grown up with, like whether it be like little clubs or nightclubs or bars, had all gone. And yeah. it seems like 50% so
0: many... in the past decade has yeah, been it's, lost.
2: It's really visibly queer noticeable. safe spaces. Yeah, like especially in Central London, it's all just gone. Yeah. So the idea this is now here in North Greenwich is like so brilliant.
0: I think you also can... the fact that you said, sorry to interrupt them, but the fact that you said that your socializing within queer spaces was normally alcohol fueled it was that environment but there's not many spaces that don't involve nightlife Mm -hmm. and to have a queer space that you can go to and it doesn't mean you have to have a drink and there is dark lights and it's about like Mm -hmm. you know chatting people up it's about just being with the community and people who are like-minded and thinking
1: yeah and that's like very key to what we're doing so like you know what we've developed is really to complement what's already existing. You know, there are great venues like the Glory and Dolson Superstore that, like, you know, deliver a particular thing for the community, and that's amazing. For us, it's about just offering an alternative to that. Like, you know, those spaces, you know, are exclusionary for a lot of people. You know, those that are underage, those that are perceived too old because of ageism, those for, like, religious reasons who don't want to participate in alcohol-like venues... Um, those of us that have you know are dealing with like alcohol and drug misuse like there's lots of reasons why those venues don't work and so for us it was about creating an alternative to that um, where it's free to access there's no economic like barrier for you to come and participate like all of our programs are free Um, yeah it's just an alternative yeah Um, it's about choice
2: Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com/pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Should we go through to the other? Yeah. Ones, yeah.
0: So we're leaving this uh, site-specific. Michaela Yearwood, Dan mural and we're moving into another building. So you're taking us into the reading room, the library.
1: Yeah. So the whole of the we are taking the whole of the ground floor of the
0: building. but well, you're gonna hear a bit of crackling now. I'm sat on a, a chair because we're so this is so fresh, this building. <laughs> I'm sat on a seat <laughs> that still has the uh the plastic, the cellophane uh, over it protecting it. But this room is going to be it is uh the reading room library and this is what will change there'll be an archive display every season. Yeah. And that will run alongside the exhibition and the uh, online stuff. So, what are we looking at for this? (laughs) <laughs> inauguration archive exhibition
1: yeah so you have to you are like part of a building site I guess so you have to imagine that all of that will be boxed in there and then along here will be all um, bookshelves mm-hmm. and then along here is desks so people can just come and work and then there'll be sofas and comfy seating and all of that kind of stuff
2: the good news is though the art is already here there are photos <laughs> on the wall <laughs> yeah they've been it's, installed. It's,
1: we've kind of done it like a little bit back to front so um Yeah, this year is the 50th anniversary of Pride in the UK. And so we wanted to kind of pay tribute to that. And that was done by uh, the Gay Liberation Front, particularly like led by the youth group of the Gay Liberation Front. And the history is too big to tell in one exhibition. So we decided to focus on the creative arm of the GLF uh, and focused in on the street theatre group and the radical drag queens of the Gay Liberation Front. Um, And so on your far left, is the first public demonstration by lesbians and gays in this country uh, in Highbury Fields? That's wow. for,
0: um, that nineteen seventy two. The first, so that, that was before UK Pride. Yeah, so that was in nineteen seventy one. Right, <laughs> November nineteen seventy one.
1: Nineteen seventy one.
0: Nineteen seventy two is the first UK Pride. Yes, nineteen
1: seventy one. Okay. Yeah, uh, November twenty seventh, I believe um and then it kind of just like charts the evolution of drag through um over time so at first it becomes like this kind of performative element like they're really kind of hamming it up with these kind of like fake titties and things like that with eyes on them and um that first demo um where they introduced drag was in support in support of the women's liberation um who had been arrested for um disturbing the Miss World competition at the Royal Albert Hall Um, so they were all on trial for that Um, so they did a mistrial competition so they had names like misbehaved and and things like that Um, and that was their first time going out in drag and then moving along this was against like the festival of light which was kind of led by Mary Whitehouse Uh yeah (laughs) Um, so you can see Stuart in two of these
0: photos who I co-curated this exhibition with um, oh, he's in these images. Yeah, so I can. So actually, this is all documentary photography we're looking at here. This is all archive photography. Yeah, so and this is from his own collection, then, I guess. No, sadly not. Um, so Stuart is
1: here in the first demo. This is a, him dressed as a kind of like a choir master at the Festival of Light demo. Uh, this is him being thrown into the back of a police van
0: in drag. Uh, Sorry, can you just go back to Mary Whitehouse for people? Because we both went, oh, yeah. Yeah. But for people who don't know who Mary Whitehouse was, she was a very prolific figure in the 80s that rose up from censorship and she was anti anything that wasn't... Yeah, she was just this kind of like moral crusader Mm. that started,
1: uh, yeah, quite a bit earlier. So in 1970... I'm going to get my dates mixed up now. In 1971, 72... Um, there was this organization called the Festival of Light, which was very much led by Mary Whitehouse. Um, And it was essentially about the kind of um, degradation of society. And so they went around the UK with their, like, blazing torches, basically trying to, like, rally support from the church. And um, they had this huge uh, event at Central uh, Hall, uh, just opposite Parliament. And the Gay Liberation Front infiltrated that event. So they managed to get somebody on the inside of the organization that um, re-diverted all of the coaches to different addresses. Um, They managed to sneak invites to all of GLF so that they could go into the event. And then at different stages throughout the event, there were these kind of, like, um, disturbances. So, like, they let mice out in the church to disturb it. And then they had a huge, like queen um cliff richard was part of this organization as well so it was like cliff for queen because he was like a kind of supposedly closeted gay mm-hmm. um kind of you know and uh
0: well, he was part of the celebration of light <laughs> yeah festival of light so festival of yeah. light. because and but he's a strong christian isn't he I, yeah i guess so he was part of yeah um and then what there was, was like thinking. you know
1: dancing nuns doing the can can and stuff like that and just like descended into chaos and so the whole thing like just fell apart basically um, so cool. Yeah. Um, so this was part of that. This was um, <clears throat> the rally that followed in Hyde Park. And then it was really about reimagining like how we live together. So there was a radical drag commune, which communes were a huge part of um, Gay Liberation Front life. So all of these photos here are of the queens uh, in their commune. Um, this is Stuart and Bob Miller. Bob Miller was one of two people that um, founded the Gay Liberation Front. Uh, this is on their kind of saturday stall at the portobello market selling their wares um and then also we've got like um snippets of come together which was the gay liberation front newspaper which was the first way to like disseminate gay news um across the uk um and uh this one <laughs> this one here is like um uh, an agony aunt that the drag queens set up so people could write in there kind
2: of like... Read something out. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Actually, read something out. What's funny there? Um, uh,
1: Dear Mrs. Avisham, my friend and I have been together for seven happy years, but I have begun to suspect that he is attracted to the opposite sex. Do you think these feelings of his are natural? (laughs) As you may guess, I am very broad minded person, but I'm sure you all agree. We can't go on in this unnatural way. How can I bring him to his senses? Anguished. Um, yeah, so it's just like kind of mock take. really. Yes, like tongue, in, tongue in cheek. Um, and then this, so this one here, actually, um, you know, there's not always photographs of these things. So a lot of this is kind of like testimony from that time. Um, so this documents the first action that Street Theatre did, where they like ran down the Strand in like Fellini-esque costumes, um, just kind of squawking, really. Um, and then this issue here of Come Together was done by the radical drag queens. So they they put the whole paper together. And then this is a kind of extract from that, talking about happy families and kind of how communal living worked and how they supported each other and things like that.
0: Wow. So this archive display is titled The Queen's Jubilee, which is very <laughs> fitting for right now. Yeah, the I only queens
1: had... will be celebrating this. <laughs>
0: <day>. <laughs> <laughs> we just had the platinum jubilee that yeah, everybody couldn't escape from. But you said about the library that's going to be here. So the library, is that an ever-changing library? Is that an ever-evolving library? And is that a permanent book collection? Yeah, yeah.
1: So we'll, we'll keep changing the library over and essentially we'll try to keep growing it over time. Um, But essentially, it's like an open, like free access um, resource for the community to just drop in and like make use of. What's Um, the rules for the books that you're going to have here?
0: No rules. Queer books, queer writers. Oh, yeah, it's all
1: going to be like queer-led. So there'll be like a lot of social politics. There'll be stuff around the annual theme of ecology and things like that. Ah, right. Um, You know, it all goes back to like when art school, when like I was trying to make, you know, work about my queer identity. And like not one tutor suggested a queer artist to reference. You know, really? Yeah, things like that. I'm like, there's such a wealth of people for you to reference. Like, yeah. why didn't you? And so really it's about like unearthing all of that stuff and like here's references for you. Um, but also thinking about like wider social politics and things like that.
0: It's so exciting.
1: So then so then we've got one more room here, right? Yeah, so upstairs is um, uh, is our project space. So that's where we'll be delivering like all of our learning and participation stuff, all of the health and well-being and it's essentially a space that the community can kind of like book out for free. So if they want to deliver their own workshops or if there's like community groups that are meeting and things like that, you know, and when you it... find this all on the
0: website, you will, yeah, and on Instagram, is there like, yeah, it'll all be on there. Um, how I mean, how are you feeling right now? You you must be feeling incredibly proud, but are you filled with anxiety? Are you kind of what 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 is the overriding emotions going through you right now? Yeah, it's um, it's a mix of emotions. I was, um, on one
1: on one side, I'm like um, really ha- happy because yeah. I feel like this is the moment where I achieved my childhood dream, which was to work in the arts and be openly and proudly gay, right? And I've achieved those two things by doing this. And I think that's not lost on me that I can do those two things. Um, On the other side, like Queer Circle, for the most part, has just been me and my little baby just working away in my bedroom and it's just been us in this kind of like, you know, codependent relationship, I guess. And this is the moment where we open it up and it's no longer that and it's the communities and that's really important that that happens and it's going to be a beautiful thing when it does. It just means, you know, Queer Circle and I's relationship changes. Um, So that's weird. It's almost like when you, like, you leave your family home, right? And your mum's there at the door crying. <laughs> like, mm. it's that moment, you know. You've
0: raised something, and now you need to push it out the nest. That's right. And and, and because it's a charity, you've uh, accumulated a, a, an amazing, fantastic troop, if I do say myself, of trustees that have come on <laughs> so board. So
1: modest of you, <laughs> <own. laughs>
0: but you've got you've got an incredible group of trustees, like Isaac Julians in there. Uh, Sir Isaac Julian. Sir Isaac Julian, OBE, CBE, Sir, Anointed. knighted. He was knighted knighted this week. Knighted? Knighted this week? Yeah. He got knighted the other day. Oh, my God. Of course he did. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. One of only three artists.
0: And then we have uh, Kazani Violet Huami, who's an incredible... Um, artist who's part of the group. We've got Glenn scott Wright, who's the director of Victoria Miro Gallery. Gemma
2: Rolls-Bentley. Gemma
0: Rolls-Bentley, curator. She is, is involved with Avant Art. She recently curated the Soho House in Brighton with an e- exclusively queer art collection. That's phenomenal. We're going to be talking about that in a later episode. But how important was it for you and how did you choose your trustees? What, what was the kind of audition process for that? Um, yeah, it was tough. For me,
1: it was, like, really important that there was this balance between, like, arts, um, social politics, um, diversity of identity, but also experience, you know, how do we create that matrix that works right? And, um, and you know, just one person can, like, tilt that out of kilter, you know. Um, so everyone was kind of like, I went through it one at a time just to make sure that we got that matrix right. And in all honesty, like the success of queer circle and the speed in which we've grown really is down to the board of trustees because people just saw the board and was like oh this is legit it just gave legitimacy to something that I'd been driving for two or three years on my own and as soon as the board came on everyone took notice and it was like oh this is actually a real thing like um and so many of the trustees you know for the most part I've been working on my own on queer circle but you know all of the trustees have, like, donated so much of their time. Like, they've been really hands-on with everything in the development of Quiz. Well,
0: Circle. we had loads of Zooms during lockdown. Yeah, so many zoom Zooms. Zoom after Zoom after Zoom. But just zoom. even,
1: like, like, creating spreadsheets and, like, five-year business yeah, plans. And, yeah, like, really, like, you know, mundane things. Not necessarily, like, the super exciting things. Even, like, writing job descriptions to make sure you've got the right team and all of those types of things. Everyone's been so hands-on. Um, It's been um they've just been so supportive like I'm very very lucky and Queer Circle is very very lucky to have the board that we do
2: and your actual physical team is growing as well so it's no longer just you on your own you've now got two other people that are working with you so it's a group of three of you as well. yeah
1: and they're amazing honestly like it's um both of them so we've got someone that's overseeing all of the digital stuff now and it's um uh and someone overseeing all of the learning and participation and both of them are just like Coming at it with the, just the most incredible energy, you know. I took it as much as a, as far as I could on my own, and I created this framework. And then they've both just come in and just like, kind of expanded it beyond anything. Like it's um, it's really great to see them taking ownership of those departments and like really just growing them to their to their fullest.
2: I've been getting to know a group in um, Kings Cross called Say It Loud Club, who are a charity who um, help um, LGBTQI plus refugees from all over the world um, get refugee status in the UK, and they've so far got about 400 people, you know, to have permanent status here. Um, Can you see yourself, like, uh, collaborating with people like that? Because they're a really interesting organization in the sense that it was just one person aloysius on his own and now he's got all these other refugees who um are now helping him run the charity and i think they're so extraordinary but i guess there's loads of opportunities for like uh, you know other charities like that to, to sort of maybe participate as well
1: yeah like we've got like a whole ecology of partnerships really like with lgbt like charity partners like the group you're mentioning to our corporate partners to our cultural partners like and they all kind of like interchange with each other. And our health and wellbeing program, for instance, is all done in partnership with other LGBTQ plus charities. Mm. So partnering with groups like AKT or Opening Doors or, you know, who all have this specialist knowledge of certain vulnerable groups you know we can't have that expertise in everything but what we can have expertise on is arts and culture and how that can be used for health and well-being so all of those programs are delivered in partnership with those other groups and then also the catalyst program that I was talking about earlier like giving up the space to those other organizations so that they can speak for themselves you know um yeah those are just like two of the ways i think um, and that, that will just grow, I think.
2: I was thinking the other night, Russell and I went to a new gay bar in Margate called Camp and it yeah. just opened. And it really was significant for me because the idea that there's now a gay bar on North Down Road, it's kind of like so important to have that visibility. But also if you think about like racism and um, even class issues, like all kinds of issues, I think the more visibility there is for different groups of people, mm. it's, it's going to help other people. Do you see what I mean? It's like yeah. a kind of mm. a combined thing and i just read the mixed race experience a new book by the founders of everyday racism a platform and in in that i've, I've been learning so much about the idea of solidarity between different groups of people mm-hmm. and how racism isn't just one thing it's also linked to homophobia or linked to class and those you know the kind of bridges between all those things um and i feel the same here to, you know for you to have the, this amazing building which has amazing uh, green windows by the way i love that color mm-hmm. um Who was the architect here as well?
0: David Cohn.
2: David Cohn, because it's a really beautiful building. But, you know, for you to have this presence, this like solid building, it's just so significant. You can't
0: avoid it. It exists. It's here. Are you going to have a sign? Because we couldn't find a sign for Queer Circle. Will that be listed? It will be listed, yeah. We've just managed to get ourselves on Google Maps, so (gasps) one step forward. I
2: saw that today.
1: (laughs) So we can tag ourselves in. Yeah, you can tag yourself (laughs) in. Yeah, Um, yeah, I mean, like, you know, our opening is in, like, just a couple of days. There will be some things that don't get done and there will be some things that do, you know. Um, Those little things will follow. We try to have, like, you know, for us, it was really important, like you said, about having a public-facing facade. You know, we spoke, like, so many queer spaces that do exist tend to be in basements, you know underground there's no like floor level access um and so for us it was really important that we was on the ground floor and was publicly saying here we are we're queer and we're very proud of it yeah um so that was really important for us um and just linking back to what you're saying about like solidarity like um sean facebook is amazing Mm, um the trans issue Mm. yeah Uh, really just helping people to understand that like it's not a trans issue all of these things that affect trans people affect all of us yes whether we're talking about work workers' rights or healthcare or education or prisoners' rights, all of these things affect everybody. And um in terms of like us partnering with other organizations, like we're not here to be the authority on what queer is. Like queerness means so many different things to so many different people. And so providing space for other groups really allows us to like expand that meaning and have those discussions around what queerness is. Rather than us having this kind of like top down approach to be like, this is what queer and queer art is, mm-hmm. like, we're really, wherever possible, trying to avoid that.
0: How far ahead are you programming your exhibitions? We, I've programmed the first year, the so, first season, yeah, three seasons. First three
1: seasons. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we open with Michaela with Dan, uh, followed by Bones Tan Jones, uh, followed by Rafael Perez
0: Evans. Amazing, so everyone can uh, do some research and get to them artists. And and the archive, do you know what the next Archive 2 exhibitions are going to be? Not yet, actually. Okay. Um, we've, be, we've had some, like, early discussions, but
1: nothing confirmed yet. And I think this is also, like, a really interesting space to, like, explore what archives mean, right? And, like, who gets to decide what stories are told? Like, what is our history? Who is that told by... Um, what is um, classified as like, you know, archive, um, there's lots of like big conversations to be had around archive as a practice as well. Mm. So we're mm. this is like a very early state like intervention, I guess, and that will be something that we're exploring further you know what is the archive of like lgbtq plus healthcare for instance like this idea of like community generated initiatives you know the obvious one is around aids and hiv like that was very much a community driven thing but those things happen all the time like just thinking through the pandemic like how many queer artists and queer organizations led the charge in kind of creating online digital spaces mm. that were delivering a kind of public healthcare service um so i think there's a lot to explore through through the archives
0: i think it's incredibly exciting and thank you so much for allowing us in before the general <laughs> yes. public we've I got really, a sneaky I really exclusive love
2: the idea of looking back as well as well as having something so brand new and contemporary like the right now yeah. and then getting to reflect into these kind of histories yeah. where you can almost see yourself in even though it wasn't your time like yeah. the idea that's our past and that's
1: our this ancestors. idea of, like, this is where we've come from and this yeah. is where we want to go. Yeah. And
0: you need to know who your queer ancestors are because we're able to sit here now and go, we're gay because of them, because of the work they do. And we also lost that
2: generation. You know, there's yeah. so many people. And I feel like I got to know them through art, you know, through Russell's plays, for example, mm. you know, seeing you at the National Theatre. Angels in America. Yeah, and but things yeah. like that, it kind of gives mm. you a... And just seeing these photos, like, they're amazing human beings.
1: Yeah, and so Stuart... Um, Uh, has annotated each of the photos there'll be an exhibition text which is like little anecdotes about each of the people like people that are in these photos but just like really interesting things like here's like a little baby like it wasn't just about queer rights or lgbt or gay rights at the time you know it was about like solidarity solidarity with different movements particularly around
0: yeah no well i think this is a queer circle but i think the circle (laughs) is the past present and the future Mm. is everything is is encapsulated in this beautiful building in the design district so it's free as we've said mm-hmm. so everybody's welcome it opens on the 9th of june and we're going to get onto our final questions with you now <laughs> so How i hope are you I've been thinking about it all day
2: <laughs> so we ask every guest two yeah. questions the first is if you could do an imaginary art host and take home any artwork from anywhere in the world what would it be
1: yeah, I've been... This is the one I've been dreading because I'm not like a... I, like, You're not a thief. I'm not a thief. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to publicly say... <laughs> on record. rumours. On record. I'm not a thief. <laughs> um, um, I don't, like, collect things. Like, my, I don't have things in my my home or anything like that. I, don't, I very rarely have work unless they're, like, gifted from, like, friends. Um, But I have thought about it because I knew it was coming. I think I would still Gerhard Richter's Atlas. Oh, what is that then? What's that look like? So, um, and I'll tell you the story why. Yeah. So when I was uh, a student um, in Essex, uh, we did a trip to Bilbao Guggenheim and there were two shows on. There was Richard Serra and Gerhard Richter's Atlas. And so Richard Serra is obviously these giant steel pieces that are kind of like macabre. Um, and then Gerhard Richter's Atlas is essentially an ongoing archive and collage of um, newspaper articles and photographs and postcards and small paintings. And they're just like very delicate in comparison to Richard Serra's pieces. Um, And they're like the images that are juxtaposed, like porn next to like um, images of like war. Mm -hmm. Um, And it really, like he started that collection and it's still ongoing. He started it in the 60s. And it's really I think um I think there is this kind of commentary on like what's happening now like through social media and digital media and all of those things. I feel like this was a precursor to it. Mm. Um but there's also this like very tactileness
0: to it. So how many um, works are in it? Hundreds, if not thousands. So for someone it's who doesn't 802 want eight
2: hundred and two sheets. Someone who
0: doesn't want anything your art heist yeah. your I'm art heist is the all. most maximalist artwork that you could steal ever you yeah, can take it all
1: <laughs> um, yeah well I can't fit the Richard Serra's in my back pocket no so. <laughs>
0: no but we will help you, you if you want a Richard
2: Serra you can if you haven't got the wall yeah. or the yeah. Yeah. it seems like they're all sort of in frames or something it's, I've never even heard of that work it's amazing mm-hmm. I love it
1: good one I think I probably should have chosen a queer artist but I think for me it's about that moment I think that was the moment where I was like I want to be an artist like being within between those two shows, mm-hmm. that was the moment.
0: Amazing to be from Essex and go to Bilbao Guggenheim. <laughs> that was that was a great school. Is that a school trip or a college? Yeah, it was
1: a college trip. Yes, yeah, so I must have been like sixteen.
0: Brilliant. Mm. What's your favourite colour, Ashley?
2: Um,
1: I actually. I know Rob's checking out my trainers.
2: I know, because I was thinking, you better say orange, because orange is my favourite colour. <laughs> so, you know, like, I would just flop them. Isn't lovely? He's got these day.
0: really kind of tech, technical the adidas. I've ever seen. And I've just bought these like <clears throat> bright
1: green um, uh, North Face slippers. I was wearing them yesterday. Which are like the same colour. Yeah, the as online our doors. ceramic ones. Which I, which I think things, are
2: awful, by the way. I think they're horrible. Every time I got them, them, them on Wednesday, he's, he's been
1: obsessed with them. They're the same colour as the door. Yeah, I never take them off. You know, you come dressed as the building. Um, so i might yeah, have to yeah. change that um but i actually never wear color it's always black have and you I changed your mind on well, them slippers your, now no,
2: on him it might look good doesn't
1: oh okay so it doesn't on look you on
2: it's like it's like <laughs> your dad wearing some sort of garden oh no
1: that's what my partner's gonna say now but i don't know if it's michaela just like rubbing off on me but i have been wearing like quite like I've been introducing little hints of colour. But what's your favourite colour that we haven't say told black, us? Which oh, I know is like is an absence favorite. of colour. That's a
0: fascination. Or it's every colour. We a like Central St Martin's uniform. Yeah, yeah.
1: But it is also this. Like I think there's an element of like hiding. You know, like just kind of passing without being noticed. So there is this like confidence to black. But there is also this idea that you can kind of just hide in the background. Like it serves both these purposes um mm. i'm just thinking
0: about clothes really but i am enjoying this neon orange it's a triumph thank you so much what is mm. the best advice you've ever received when it comes to queer circle what what have you received what have your tidbits been along the way that have served you well and was it
2: from your trusty russell Dopey? <laughs> i don't
0: think i've ever given you any advice <laughs> you've been
1: very supportive Ah, oh. um advice you know when i was a student my art teacher made me promise never to paint again.
0: Sorry, <laughs> how is that advice? That's hindrance. Yeah. What do you mean? Yeah, yeah, and I, I think she probably did serve me well with that.
2: Hang <laughs> <laughs> <world> on, <of> <laughs> yeah.
0: oh, no, I don't like
1: that. What do you mean? It was <laughs> and I like I told Michaela this story, and um, she was obviously like really sympathetic. And then I showed her a drawing that I did recently, and she was like, oh, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I see why not. So
2: the best advice you received was don't paint.
1: Yeah, don't paint, which I know is not a good message for what we're trying to do here, where everyone can paint and do whatever they want. <laughs> um, I think, you know, at my board of trustees, which you're a part of, like, everyone's been incredibly supportive and has really just believed in the vision of Queer Circle without trying to be too heavy-handed with, like, steering it, mm. which I think has been really... um amazing because like I am on the ground with the community all the the time just like listening and like you know hearing what people need and want Um, and so and also there is this element of like not coming from the art world and actually just like doing things very differently to what perhaps is expected and normally done within a space like this Mm. Um, and so whatever kind of insecurities I have about not having that experience or coming from that I think are actually kind of becoming some of my strengths. Yeah, definitely. Um, In trying new things out and doing things differently, like implementing a four-day working week, for instance. Like, if we're going to be talking about mental health, then that needs to start with our team, right? We don't need to be working five days a week. So it's like things like that.
0: Will you be in the space on them four days? Yeah. So you're ever-present? For now. Okay. Yeah. Tuesday to Friday, I'll be here. But I mean, for the next
1: month or two, I'm going to be here pretty much every day, <laughs> day and night. There's like a little bed under the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> well, this it has is just been such incredible. An achievement, it's brilliant. Yeah, it really, really And
2: you're going to help so many people, just even by having these walls here and this amazing resource. It's just. It's really brilliant, really generous, wonderful act. Super and happy. And it's
0: her. open to everyone. I mean, everyone should come here and get Yeah, you don't just get have to be gay to come Yeah, there's Bitcoin no ID checks at the door. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah favourite Madonna album.
1: It's like,
2: oh, uh, <laughs> uh, you ain't
1: coming in. <laughs> yeah, no ID checks. Everyone's yeah. welcome. And I think, you know, like, again, going back to this idea of like having themes for the year, like these themes are universal, right? They affect everybody. It's just that we're talking about them from a queer perspective and adding that queer voice to that conversation. Um, so I
0: think, you know, everyone should come visit and, you know, hopefully we'll get something from it. Amazing. Awesome. So uh, queercircle.org, is that the website? That's it, yeah. And the Instagram is at queercircle. All socials are Queer Circle, one word. And do you want people to follow you? Please do. What's your... Oh, me
1: personally. Yeah, you personally. <laughs> I mean, if you like, but um, there's not much fun content, just my pictures of me and Margate, apparently.
2: Weirdly, I've got Elton John singing in my head The Circle of Life. <laughs> <laughs> the
1: Queer Circle, of, the life. Queer circle <laughs> of Life. I was a waiter at his wedding. <laughs> Were you? Yeah. Isn't oh my that
2: God. weird? I actually got to see him play live last week. Did you? Yeah, in front of 40 people. It was totally amazing. I cried. I.
1: Um...
2: I had no idea how good he was, like at playing piano, and sing. it was just like you had no idea. No, I mean, I, knew... I know John. Elton. I know Elton.
0: It's what he's never noted. heard of him. No,
2: but I can't... no, but that's not what I meant. <laughs> what I meant is, you know, when you actually finally see somebody and mm. like performing, and it was just like, oh my god, he's just so extraordinary. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and when he plays piano, like every note, it was just like. Oh, my God, I've never heard piano played like that. <laughs> I just love him. Anyway, we need him to come down and play Circle of Life here. Yeah, Queer to come down. Life.
0: yeah let's pitch that. We're going to pitch that, aren't <laughs> we? Um, all right, well, thank you very much. Uh, this opens tomorrow night. <laughs> Tomorrow night? No. It's not
2: tomorrow night. What day night? is it? It's Sunday today. It's oh, God. on
0: Wednesday. Wednesday night. <laughs> We're sorry. <laughs> Where? You see, you've, you confused me with only three <laughs> seasons. Three seasons, you've confused me. Um, it's, it's going to be on Wednesday. It's Sunday now. Sorry. Yeah, yeah On yeah. Wednesday. So obviously, we won't be... The cellophane will be off this chair. Anyway, by the
2: time this this episode is out, it'll be open. open. Just come on down. Come Come on down. Come out the tube. Turn right. You're there. Yeah. Yeah. Living the dream. All right. Um, Thanks for listening. We'll be back very soon. Bye, Ashley. Thank you, babe. Thanks, Ashley. Bye.